sweat the technique. Welcome to the Points League. I'm your host and commissioner, and back to back to back fantasy oh, baseball God. champion. With me this evening is the 2021 finalist for fantasy <laughs> baseball. He is participation trophy baby. Let's go. <laughs> oh, you're the runner up, the Mr. Tim Byrne. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. It's been about a year. Thank you. Thank you. It has been a long time, but uh, I'm glad to be back. Yeah. I mean, I think I didn't do as many podcasts this year as I would have liked. Um, and, you know, we tr- I tried to get in, obviously, like Will, since he just joined the league, and then also touching on, you know, VJ and Andrew, who had had, like, extended absences from, yeah. um, you know, interviewing. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll get uh, Johnny on at some point this winter. Um to discuss his strategy for next year. And then if he wants to touch on the finals, I'm sure we can jump into that. I also really want to chat with Vandy. Um, and I have a feeling we'll talk about him more towards the end of the show since he'll be one of the presumptive front runners going into next season. Um, and he also hasn't been yeah. on the show in a while. But I um, just kind of wanted to, to mention that. Um, what have you been up to in Bloomington? Oh, man, uh, not too much. Uh, you know, life changes a little bit. It's kind of taken me back around. Um, really sad that I'd leave the state of Ohio, you know. It, How dare on you? On the pro side, it really had Jenny's ice creams and not a whole lot else. Uh, but uh, it, was, it was good to be back and, and kind of uh, resettle again in Bloomington and uh, it's been nice and, and, a, and a good change uh, for me, I think. So um, not too bad. I, work has kept me busy. I'm now king shit of fuck mountain, as uh, Josh Lyons used to say. Um, so <laughs> that's pretty nice, uh, being in charge of lots of stuff and uh, having, quite honestly, a pretty pretty big job at the Kelly School. So uh, now I'm actually in a place where you know you can actually make some change. So... Um, that's the yeah you know that's the thing that everybody complains about their job right it's like well if i was in fucking charge we would be doing something differently well now i get to be in charge and uh it is it is pretty good so i pretty much just make up shit as i go and i'm like all right well we're gonna do it this way because this is the way i want to do it uh so it's it's been good excellent excellent and uh yeah i was actually in ohio this weekend myself it is actually uh, Canadian Thanksgiving today, so I had the day off and uh, went home to Cincinnati to watch FC Cincinnati clinch their first playoff uh, appearance, which will be this Saturday, and uh, they were able to nudge out your old club, the Columbus Crew, in which... Uh, yeah, cr- if, I had, if I had to pick a club, sure, I'm, I'm still I'm still a supporter. I still have a shirt, that's great. Yep, <laughs> I remember it. They subsequently yeah. fired their head coach today. Because they did not make the playoffs, so you know. Well, goodbye. That, those are two teams. Uh, it, this is my soccer analysis for everybody, heading in different directions. Because Essence Cincinnati was pretty terrible like two years ago, and yes. Columbus Crew was still doing pretty well. 
And you could see it just slowly every time I would catch a score headline. It's, wow, really not scoring any goals lately. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I'll see you on making the playoffs. You know, we will see what kind of success they have. It's a uh, super exciting time. Uh, yeah, the FC Cincinnati has won the Wooden Spoon, which is the worst team in the league every year that they've been in the league since they came in like three years ago. Absolute worst team oh. in all of Major League Soccer. Um, so it was quite a change, quite a surprise. Um, so super, super happy about that. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just good to be good to be home. Um, but yeah. Uh, so anyway, before we we jump into the fantasy baseball portion of the show, which I think will be pretty substantial. Do you have any yeah. IU football? analysis to provide to the team well uh iu football sucks um yeah I, me and my friends go back and forth a little bit on the tom allen era uh what's our outliers what isn't um i was really glad to see that he did finally this week fire the offensive line coach who clearly had not produced a good offensive line in his time there it seems to be just because he was like tom allen's good friend right like all right that's my guy i'm just gonna keep him around but at least he finally had the balls to sack up and let him go. Um, now, I still don't agree that Walt Bellamy was a good offensive coordinator hire. Like, it was very clear he'd never coached a top-flight offense that is not going to be an offense that could compete in the Big Ten East. So it's sort of like, what are we doing here? If, if we're trying to, you know, compete with the big boys, we have to be innovative and do things differently a little bit. So, um, you know, we'll see uh, if he gets things turned around there. They're oddly competitive. If they can develop a little bit of a run game, I think Basilak's not too bad at quarterback. They've got some good wide receivers. Camper is really good. DJ Matthews has been out, but he's pretty solid. Um, I agree. At the very least, I'll give Walt Bellamy a little bit of credit. They play with up-tempo speed, which they kind of need to to have any chance of competing. Um, So I I did bet they're over four, four and a half wins. Just need two more, baby. Uh, maybe Rutgers, who knows, maybe Purdue, probably not going to be Maryland. Maryland's a little bit better this year. Michigan State actually really sucks, so um, maybe it's there. But uh, it, it's it's tough goings in, in Bloomington with football. But as Bloomington goes, that doesn't really matter. Uh, basketball starts soon. Hoosier Hysteria had everybody excited on Friday night. Um, so I, I, I think very highly of our basketball team. I think they're going to win the Big Ten. Admittedly, the Big Ten's kind of down uh, this coming okay. year, but they've got uh, Jalen Hood-Shafino, five-star recruit coming in, who all the buzz is, he's absolutely the, the NBA prospect that everybody thinks he is. So um, if, if he and a few other people can hit just a little bit from the outside, um, I do think they're Elite Eight or Final Four contender. They should make the Sweet 16, um, you know, barring catastrophic injury or something like that. But um Basketball season is nigh, so that's where that's the state of Bloomington these days. Well, that is very good to know. I was going to ask because as a as a well known hockey fan here in London, Ontario, <laughs> we're about to get the season tipped off here in the the next few days. But I was kind of wondering what the IU basketball situation was. I have the Big Ten Network here, so I wanted what's to know whether or not it was. Hockey, what's your hockey sweater collection like? Have you started to dive in? Oh yeah, I just bought one. The other day, it's for the the local team here, because like, and I did when I did the podcast with VJ, I told him I was kind of going back and forth on which one to buy, but like, I'm almost never gonna go to a Toronto Maple Leafs game. Like, I was looking, I'm gonna go into Toronto like the beginning of December, and they do have like a home game, but it's like 
am I really going to pay $200 for a standing room only ticket to see yeah. the, the, the Maple Leafs or, you know, I'm going to probably go to at least 10 to 12 uh, London Knights games this year. So I ended up buying the London Knights jersey, which is pretty nice. And, um, and yeah, yeah, it's like literally around, around the block. So like in terms of like where it just made a, a hell of a lot more sense. But I've got a shirt. But um, yeah, we're, uh, we're beginning the collection. Um, <laughs> they're, uh, they're pretty expensive items. Um, did not know yeah. that, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I did, I did finally purchase a, uh, a hockey jersey. I have never owned one, so we have that. We are, we are ready for the season to start. I anticipate watching a lot of hockey this year. The, the acculturation is really setting in, uh, just, just, just next year, maybe you'll stay, stay there for Thanksgiving instead of traveling <laughs> back to the U.S. Yeah, well, Not if I... If I start pronouncing things with a hard O, I, I went full Ontario. Like, if I start saying process, like, oh. that, yeah, yeah, it's a hideous word. And I've pointed this out to my coworkers because the word process is said at least eight to ten times in every meeting I'm in. And I cringe right. every time I hear it. I'm like, why is this a hard O? Um, you know what? I was on Canada for their health care and lots of other issues. Now I'm back. America, baby, ride till I die, just because they say process the right way. Yes. I mean, it's painful oh, to listen man. to. Um, but, but anyway, yeah. So there's a, a mini life update there. Um, let's go ahead and jump into uh, an item that you brought up right before the last day of the championship week. Yeah. And that was... Shohei Otani being the the data oriented choice for MVP, which I wanted to really really badly interject, but I was so fucking nervous for this last day of games. I was like literally sitting in a bar, like because all the games started at four o'clock, and I saw you write that, and I started writing some stuff, and I was like, no, no, no I do not want to get into a conversation when all I'm going to be doing is like sweating over over this right. three hour every, period every fucking at bat every yes. pitch exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah, i held I off that. but here we are now and we can we can we can have a, a discussion about it um but and i we think oh, go ahead now, you know i was gonna say so i i looked at it a little bit more which admittedly i did what i think a lot of people do in the league which is you're kind of scrolling on your phone when you have some time you see what's popping in the chat, and you're like, oh, all right, I'm going to fire off some takes. Let's go. Uh, and at that point, I was just like, the fuck are we talking about? Shohei Otani pitches and hits. The fuck are we talking about? Uh, like, yeah, there's some whatever, but, like, he, his war has got to be whatever. Uh, and then I did, in preparation for this podcast, actually look it up. And, uh, yeah, sure shit, Aaron Judge does have a higher war by most metrics than Shohei Otani. So I kind of fucked it up, but to, to, to practice my ESPN first take style, I will not give up on my take. What is, what I feel like is not captured in there, which I, or maybe it is a little bit, but I think is at least sort of hard to quantify. Shohei Otani is literally two players. Mm -hmm. It's two players in one roster spot. The, now granted the angels suck absolute balls and that's a whole other, that could be its own podcast, which would be really interesting about like, every misstep that's led them to this point. It's a lot of missteps. But, like, you plop Shohei Otani into a broader team concept where he's a sixth starting pitcher 
and now all of a sudden guys are getting extra days of rest a lot more and he gets utilized a lot more effectively and you can play play different things with roster positions like just that simple fact is i think so tremendously valuable now on top of that he's i mean he had a better hitting year last year than he did this year but like still is very much like above average to top end on both ends of that and like my god how could this guy not be literally the most valuable player well the real answer is that aaron judge had like the best hitting season arguably of all time like it's yeah. that's how <laughs> it True. is exactly that he's hitting like 20 more homers than everybody else his ops is off the fucking charts like he's walking he's doing everything you know his effect on the rest of the lineup i think is huge you know home runs are kind of the be-all end-all in, in modern baseball to some degree because quite literally it's just like he can be a one-man offense so um you know i i i will seed a little bit of ground i think it's a lot closer than what i was thinking of when i was just firing off that take but damn i was just thinking about it like how can we have a guy who's doing both things and doing them like really well this has to be the mvp but you know as i as i did dig into the research a little more it's like yeah okay I will concede that it's at least a lot closer than maybe what my initial take was. Yeah, and, and I think my, my take isn't so much a, uh, a dismissal of, of Shohei Otani because, yeah, it's it's a, extru- a unique season, historic yeah. season that he's had. I mean, he pitched better than he did last year or any other year that he's been in the majors. So, you know, even though the offenses went down slightly, um, it, he'll get Cy Young votes as well, or he'll at least factor right. into the voting. He'll probably come in like fifth in the AL. Um, but, you know, I, I did want, kind of want to jump into why Aaron Judge's war is so high. Um, and, and most of that really just has to do with the fact that the league collectively sucked offensively. Um, <laughs> so, like, when I was, when I was like, digging into this, because that's a, that's a, a massive part of what makes up wins above replacement. Um, right, is replacement level. Yeah, the re- yeah, exactly. And so, like, the league average for this year, the, the triple slash, if you will, was... A 243 average, a 312 on base percentage, and a 395 slugging. The average and on base percentage is literally the lowest season in the past 50 years um, for those. And it was the second worst slugging percentage since 2000. Um, and tied for the worst weighted on base average in, in 50 years. So, like, the, the, the biggest thing is the fact that everyone else sucked and then he basically played as if the ball was juiced, even though it's basically a dead ball um, that they played right. with this year. Like, I think the ball actually had a, a pretty substantial impact on offensive performance this year. And, uh, you know, the, the, the nice part about being 6'7", 260 pounds is you don't really care if the ball's dead or not because you're just launching it into the stratosphere no matter what. Yeah. Whereas, like say someone like Jeff McNeil, you know, he put up like a 20 home, 20 or 25 home run season a couple years ago with the juice ball. And you've seen him come back to earth from a slugging or isolated slugging percentage, um, you know, this year. Um, so, it, you know, it's that type of player that, that really benefits from the juice ball because they can just get it over. Um, so like, that's, I think that's one of the, the biggest reasons um, that you see judge with like an 11 and a half, wins above replacement, whereas Otani, I think, collectively was at about 9.5, which yeah. 90% of the time, a 9.5 war is going to win you the MVP. And I think, to right. your point, because of the uniqueness of Shohei's season, I think 
historically, when people look back at it, I, th- I think they'll continue to make, um, you know, the the uh, the argument that, that you kind of made originally was that, that Shohei should be the MVP, you know, just because of the flexibility that's provided when, yeah. you know, you have a, a player who's a phenom at, at both offense and uh, pitching. So, you know, I think absolutely, um, you know, Shohei is deserving, but it's just, yeah, like you said, Aaron Judge basically had the best offensive season in the American League since, like, Mickey Mantle. Um, yeah. And like, it's, you know, and I get there's there's one thing from, like, kind of basically being the MVP to actually winning it, which involves baseball writers and right. their fucking feelings. <laughs> um, so they're going to get bored of voting for Shohei Otani every year, but it's also just, like, more or less, uh, you know, with this discussion, it's also just like the truth. And I, it'll be really interesting. I'm very interested. I put this in the chat like a couple months ago because um, he will, he'll play this arbitration year or whatever, and then he'll be a free agent. And how much money he gets and where he goes will be huge. And yeah. there, was a, there was a time there where I really worried that like, he could just end up like, a, like the same thing as Mike Trout, kind of on this team. And yeah, he individually is a great player. But they can't put Dick around him to win, so he's not getting on prime time. It's not part of the national focus or anything. So it, the you know, Shohei Itani is is my MVP on the Tim Byrne ballot. But uh, I am even more excited. I think the better sort of debate or interesting long term focus is where does he go and how does that really change things? Because that that is a real opportunity. I think um, going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think, honestly, Shohei Otani is probably my favorite player to watch in all of baseball right now, regardless of, like, performance. I, it's just so much fun to watch someone who can hit and pitch like he can. And, like, you know, I know next year that baseball is going with a more balanced schedule. So, like, you know, if he's visiting the Cubs or the Cardinals or something like that, you've got kids. Like, I highly recommend taking him to see because uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, he is going to be a historic player. I just I'm curious to see how long he'll hold up physically doing all that. Sure. And I mean, he's a he's a big guy. I mean, he's a he's a yeah. I mean, he's absolutely jacked. Um, but you know, we'll see. Uh, so yeah, I I am definitely a a Shohei fan for for obvious reasons. Um, it'd be great if I could get a find a way to get him off Kaiser's team from the for the offense, but uh. Yeah, so why don't we why don't we move on to playoff predictions? The playoffs just started this past weekend. I think we were all happy to see the Cardinals get knocked out unceremoniously by the Phillies. Um, give any any thoughts? Well, this was not on your agenda, but my thought is: Has anybody tested uh, Albert Pujols for steroids? <laughs> I'm I'm not sure that it's happened. I think we've got. You know, somebody turning a blind eye. But that's kind of insane that he's just hit, like, 20 homers to clear 70 in the last six weeks. A little fucking fishy, if you ask me. Anyway, <laughs> so I was very happy to see the Phillies get the Cardinals a fucking boot and get out. Yeah. Uh, I won't miss yeah, it. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I mean, it's kind of cool. Finally, The Mariners finally made it in. They beat the, the Blue Jays. Cool. You know, I, you know, as much as I hate Rob or whatever... I do like watching uh, Vlad Jr. launch balls into the sun. That's really cool. I like the. I mean, the Blue Jays to me are like a, a top five sports uniform everywhere. I love the Blue Jays unis, but um, you know, oh well, they'll be they'll be fine. The Rays. I'm kind of glad the Rays are out. Just 
I don't want to watch this. They're so boring. They're so boring. It's just so like, all right, like I get what you're trying to do here, but can I just watch some fucking baseball? You know. Um, so I, I, I'm excited for the for the second round. I think, uh, you know, the NL is probably pretty chalk in my mind. I think it's pretty clearly Dodgers Braves. Um, I like the Braves a lot. I think they're really good. Um, I think they absolutely could win it again. Uh, I think the Mariners and Guardians are both very frisky, especially the Guardians. Uh, Vandy was trying to sell me Emmanuel Class for fucking five months, and I was just like, I don't know. Or I'm, I've got Kenley now. I'm, I don't know if this is where they really want to go, but he's good. Yeah, he's lights out electric, and if you can match up in the bullpen and you have dudes that can get K's, you can absolutely win some fucking games. Um, and so it, it'll be interesting if either of them can pull off the upset. I don't think it happens in the NL, um, but the AL will be, I think, really interesting. Yeah, I, I think it'll definitely be... I'll actually, I really kind of hope the Padres do beat the Dodgers because I think that would be fascinating just because the Dodgers sure. dominated that division. And they do have kind of a propensity to overthink their pitching situations. Like, I, I just think they get way too cute in the playoffs, and that's part of the reason they have struggled at times over the past decade. Um, yeah. But they are probably, oh, they're almost certainly the strongest team in the NL. I would be surprised if they didn't come out. Um, but the Braves do have a lot of really young, good players. Um, really good. And it would be fun to see. It, it would be pretty fun to see... Freddie Freeman have to play against the Braves in the NLCS. <laughs> Awkward turtle, man. Yeah. After all that drama, and then he's got to go back in there and just like oh, and get booed. Like yeah, you know they're they'll probably cheer him his first at bat, but they'll boo him the rest of the series. Yeah. Um, in the <laughs> AL, a pro. I think I'm gonna go Houston. Um, I just feel like the Yankees will. They're so. Oh, they just haven't looked good for the past month and a half. And, um, you know, I think part yeah, of that probably has something to do with the fact that, like, like just the Aaron Judge circus that was, um, I feel like it was a major distraction for that club and, and a team that um, kind of really struggled to find its footing in September and the fact that they also just lost a role as Chapman who apparently didn't show up for a team meeting and then they're like, see ya. Um, so yeah. he won't be on the postseason roster and it was a relieving core that was already pretty banged up to begin with so i feel like houston is probably the best team in the al um setting up another dodger astros world series um and i would yeah, houston's good i houston would be my pick overall too um there's just they've got plenty of pitching plenty of hitting um they're just well-rounded yeah and then, you know with dusty leading the charge what could go wrong right <laughs> I mean, I mean, will you if if Houston makes the World Series, will you be cheering for them? Uh, no, it still feels it feels a little too soon for me. As, it's been like twenty years since Dusty Baker was a coach of the Cubs. No, oh, not for, from a Dusty perspective. From a um, oh, the scandal, oh, just like blatantly cheating. Oh, like yeah, there's that. Just, like, and they paid a little bit of a punishment, but also still not enough. So like. They're winning just like two or three years after. It's kind of like the punishment basically had no effect. Um, but, I mean, it didn't. So that's also another thing for another day. But yeah. uh, I, if it is, I would rank the Astros third. Like I would root most for the Braves, second for the Dodgers, 
Um, third for the Astros. And then I'm not even really – unless maybe, like, the Mariners make a run. I'm like, all right, this is just a cool, like, Cinderella story. But Yeah, I mean, um, the Mariners are definitely America's team right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I told folks in the office, whoever wins the Blue Jays-Seattle series is who I'm going to cheer for throughout the rest of the season. But I don't expect them to last very long. So um, out of the likely candidates, I guess – I will probably cheer for whoever comes out of the AL um, against probably the Dodgers or the Braves. I don't really have a good reason. I just it's probably how I'm going to go. Um, so let's move on. Let's get into the fantasy portion of the podcast. And uh, oh, yes. we have Tim Season as <laughs> our next item on the agenda. Take us through your season because you were the team that I probably missed on the most. I had you dead last, if you remember the deranged <laughs> penguin did. YouTube clip. Um, you came I in did. quite a bit better than that. You know, the uh, the retired janitors of Idaho, uh, <laughs> which thankfully I did finally watch Succession this this uh, like winter, and it's it's definitely the best show on TV, so yep. I apologize. You were recommending that for years. I don't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, uh, my team, you know, I knew I was in a tough spot because I had spent the year before. I, I expected very much not necessarily to compete. I knew I had like still some good pieces, but my hope was to ultimately sort of build on that really and kind of see where I could go. But I wouldn't say, I mean, I, I got lucky to some degree, but I, I got off to a pretty good start. Yep. And when you get a good start like that, you can't like not try to compete um right. in that way and so um i tried to stay as pretty well dialed in as i could to see if i could make a good run of it um and was really pretty good going into the all-star break uh, but you could see where the chips uh the house of cards was kind of being built and i got a great start immaculate start out of both like cj crone who still you know technically had like a really good year mm-hmm. um you know value for what i got out of him he was really hot early on, but then kind of faded down the stretch. I had Tyler Ward, who was really hot in April and May. That was a great, like, you know, week two pickup where you just pick up the guy who's just hot as fuck and just hope that his bat is just the surprise bat of the year. And you know, Tyler Ward was fine, you know, at parts, but, you know, I had to drop that. But then I also, you know, I was a, a big believer in Max Muncy, and I held on to that too long. He didn't turn it around, like, the last six weeks, but it was like, way too little too late for me by that point um and i you know dropped him long ago or whatever and then it, you know i was fighting on i i it was it was very clear after a while right things started to shake out and it was then me vj and rob battling for the last two spots and yep. i i think everybody very much agreed that like you and johnny were on a, a tier above um in terms of your teams and man it was just such a battle the last few weeks really trying to like pick my spots and my, my ads and who I wasn't, uh, trying to save my ads for, you know, what I would think were going to be maybe harder matchups or whatever. Um, really trying to plot out two start weeks. Uh, it was, it was a grind all summer trying to, trying to figure out and make it work. And I just like, I couldn't, and you, this is what you brought up in the judge. Like I just couldn't find the offense wherever mm-hmm. I looked and it, offense you know, I think we all have played this game long enough that we understand pitching ads, where we can kind of where we can kind of go, where we want to take a chance on, 
how long we maybe want to hold on to a guy because he's got some cheap keeper value or we just cut bait. Mm-hmm. The the hitting I think is the next thing for you know, where I'm I haven't quite figured out when and how to just cut bait on certain pieces and run and so um, you know it didn't quite work out ultimately I was obviously you brought it up on the last pod I think but uh, picking up Bobby Wimmett was definitely my best move of the year mm-hmm. I was stunned that uh, Will dropped him but you know I think he'll learn his lesson. Uh, as I lock up Bobby Whip for the next decade, but um, that was that was that was nice. I was I was happy to do that. I think as I put in there, and and you did too, because I think you were the second highest bid at like sixty fab dollars. You know the amount of times that you could even use fab, and what you could even possibly get out of it. You're talking at best like a random Thursday start. You know, pick up on some guy. So I was happy to just unload that whole clip in there because at the time I also that was only what that was like week three maybe yeah I was I you know I May I fallen, but I was like yeah I don't know we'll see how this goes let me get Bobby Witten you know right out this year and so I was totally doing that but I ended up also then kind of competing which hurt in a few scenarios where I really wish I had some fab to bid on a guy but um, I I would do that ten times out of ten you know. Yeah, you that's, maxed. That's that's the retired janitor season in a, in a nutshell. Indeed, yeah, you you maxed out or ninety nine. I put in fifty one. VJ put in thirty one, and Mandy put in one. So, quite a few offers um, on Bobby Wade Jr. And you know, he basically turned it around. I felt like right after you picked him up. Like, I mean, he did start yeah. out pretty cold, and then you know had you know a really really good rookie season. Um, probably not going to win Rookie of the Year. It was a really good rookie class. I think that'll go to Julio Rodriguez or Adley Rushman, but um, he's definitely going to be a perennial all-star. So um, a good pickup for the future at a cheap price. Um, t- tell me about what your thoughts on Rob were um, during the summer because Rob is probably the most vocal, whiny yeah. Most needing of affirmation owner in the league. Yeah, and, and Rob is the king of uh, fucking bias and every possible version of it. Yeah. Whether it's recency because he just won, uh, whether it's like something else, like he he will take it and just he spins it into his own thing, and that's how he like rocks himself to sleep at night. So um, <laughs> it's. You know, I, I was willing to acknowledge like some, uh, you know, some recedence from me and or mm-hmm. VJ, but, and uh, you know, I've talked about this with Johnny a lot too, like the fucking wins matter. And, and it took me having some really rough weeks there in late July and August where I was, I was struggling to get to fucking 270, 275, um, where he was able to catch up on points and ultimately pass. And it was still down to the last week and then the last like 20 point difference you know between him and i in that last week so he was he was still very fucking close to also not making it um even though that so yeah he was right water kind of found its level but there's plenty of scenarios where it would not have found his level for him and he would have finished in fifth or sixth um hell even sixth the way matt's team was really playing there towards the end yeah that was good you know, it's it's fine. You know, Rob fancies himself like one of the best managers, and I think he does an above average job. But you know, he's he's riding on uh, I think 
some quasi lucky things that have happened out. Like, you know, I remember when we all passed Joe Musgrove around like the Tuesday whore that he was four years ago. Good for him. He's he's broken out and he's developed into a good starting pitcher. But like, let's not pretend that Joe Musgrove, the transaction history isn't pretty well riddled because it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he did a he's done a pretty good job finding kind of a a, a core pitching staff. But um, he really had a horrendous team um, going into the season. Like, if you look, I have his schedule up right now, and I mean, he started the season one and four. So, like, as much as he wants to shit on, on on maybe the prediction I made for him, ultimately he really had to come to terms with the fact that his team wasn't very good um, entering the month of May. And, and he, you know, to his credit. He made the turnaround. I think he works as hard as anyone in the league at, um, you know, roster procurement, for lack of a better word. Um, but he also finds a vacuum, it seems like, every single year. Like, when everyone starts selling or they make the decision that they're not going to be competitive this year, that's like when Rob doubles down and just moves <laughs> up and flies up the standings and puts himself in contention. And he's, I mean, he's pretty shrewd with, you know, making trades. I, I think... You and I were a little surprised at the Luis Castillo deal that he made yeah. at the very beginning of the spring, and uh, it worked out really, really well for him throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, well, and there wasn't like Luis Castillo. You know, I was I was a Luis, Luis Castillo dynasty owner three years ago. Was really high. It was great, and then poor Tom Kaiser, as he tends to do, catches the worst of it. Yeah, <laughs> and Luis Castillo was bad absolutely bad and then the second of the year and even in the freaking uh playoffs really good he's he's found himself again so like cool yes rob you did win you kind of worked it out a little bit to your fourth place finish but uh let's 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 understand that variance is a is a thing here you know yeah for sure um one thing that i wanted to ask you and i, I think i mentioned it on the, the podcast with bj is what was your reluctance to make a deal for Garrett Cole? Because um, I was very surprised that Cole ended up going to Johnny. I felt like I made some pretty good bids, um, better bids on Garrett Cole yeah. than what ultimately uh, Johnny's final offer was, or at least the offer that, that Adam accepted. Um, what what happened with, with you? Because it seemed like you would be the most logical. It was, and Adam and I were in conversations for – what had to have been like a month, a month and a half. I think honestly, like early June, um, because it was it was clear to me that like Adam wasn't going to make it, and that was basically probably the best prize out there, um, besides Jose Ramirez, which that was also a, a contentious uh, trade discussion with Matt. He ultimately went to Johnny. I was trying to get Jose Ramirez. Um, I oh, didn't nice. have the individual asset in Walker Bueller that. Matt ultimately valued, which I disagreed with. I, I was considering more cash and some like lower level assets, but, um, you know, Adam was, you know, I was at like 125 or something like that. And he was pretty much into it. And then he was like, all right, yeah, like maybe like tomorrow or whatever, we can like, you know, hammer this out. And then just like in true fashion, just like nothing happens for 10 days <laughs> and, and, and whatever. And at the time I was like, all right, like, listen, it doesn't need to happen today. I think I think I wanted to wait because I had a somewhat close matchup and I'm like, let me get these starts in. Right. And then I can drop some of these guys with the trade um, or something else. Well, and then what happened is, uh, you know, Adam took 
longer. And then I think I lost a matchup, and uh, it was very clear that that 125 was basically going to be the rest of my bankroll. I would have mm-hmm. been down with $70, $60. Like, basically, I could roster a few people, but then I'd have to really work my ass off in the offseason and try to sell some pieces to get any kind of money. And I was looking at the calculus, basically looking at my team after another three weeks and going, all right, it's me, Robin, DJ. My offense is is struggling. CJ Crone, you know, whatever. Uh, Mookie had a great comeback year, but mm-hmm. like really trying to piece together an offense here. Where can I make some moves on the fringes, maybe, um, without bankrupting the entire future? And that's when I made like the Alejandro Kirk deal, which kind of worked for a bit, kind of didn't. Uh, he fizzled some, but yeah. uh, that's where I was just like. And, and the thing is, right when it was happening, uh, Garrett Cole, like his first two starts for Johnny were awful. I think he like got blown out after like two innings once. The next one was bad, and that could have like caused me to lose a matchup. So maybe it would have helped. Probably would have like the last week of the season, week or two. Maybe it could have gotten me in, but it would have been very close. Whether that would have been make or break for me, and you know, uh, did I lose my hundred bucks on my buy-in this year? Yep. But I certainly think I'm in a better spot next year uh, to see where I can go and continue building for the future. Yeah, I think that's a really fair comment on Cole. Is that like I, I think I think Johnny bought him almost as much to keep him out of the hands of the rest of us as he yeah. actually wanted him. Um, like I had made a couple deals prior to that deal getting done, and I ended up kind of lowering my bid on him um, because I didn't. I didn't think the, the value added was worth $100, $100, which was basically what I think I, I put in. Um, yeah. But yeah, he had a really up and down August and September. It'll be interesting to see how he performs in the playoffs. Um, and credit, credit to Johnny a little bit. And for sure. I think you put it spot on. That 125 was way more valuable for Garrett Cole, should Garrett Cole be good, to have been on Johnny's roster than to not have been on anybody else for whatever reason, right? Um, and Johnny knew, and I, he does know, that like his team is not going to be good next year, and so that 125 doesn't matter to him as much as it matters to me where I think I can still be competitive next year. I still have some cheap keepers and options and things to do. Mm-hmm. Johnny knew it was always, this was going to be a full-in year, and so I, I get why he was going to be willing to still stay at 125 where you know that's where I was earlier, but... Um, you know, I think it was it was a shrewd move, if only because, as you said, it, it kept him away from other people. It limited everybody else's options. Yeah, and that's really interesting that you say that Johnny was, was really all in, because I, I don't know that I realized that he was as win the whole thing or bust, really, until I, I kind of had a brief uh, discussion with him after the finals. Because, like, in my mind, like, if I make the finals, I've, I've hit, like, kind of the benchmark, or at least where I viewed my team going into the season. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I I don't feel like he was particularly satisfied with coming in second place um, based on discussions. And, like, it, it makes sense because he's going to have – I mean, it's it's a complete teardown rebuild. Like, he's going to have to sell Logan Webb. He's going to have to sell Juan Soto. I mean, he has, 20, I think, $23. Um, so he barely has a legal team right now. Right. Um, <laughs> so, like, he's, he's looking at, at moving – you know, some assets and getting some money back and, and, and rebuilding for the future. So, you know, we'll get to that part later. Um, so anyway, um, we get to the end of the season. 
And I'm going to pull up the standings. Um, so basically, it was me, Johnny, VJ, and Rob. Um, you know, I, I felt like going into this, um, oh, this is not what I want. Going into it, I kind of gave Johnny a, um, a 40% chance of winning the finals. I gave myself 35%. I gave VJ 15% and Rob 10%. Um, from the outset of the playoffs, that is. Um, what yeah. were, how did, I don't know if you gave any thought to it, but, but how did you break it down? Uh, yeah, I would have, I was in a similar spot. Um, Johnny, like, God damn. I mean, Aaron Judge, you know, not to undercut my own argument earlier, but uh, he, had, he finished with like well over 700 points. Yeah, it was like, like 755. Almost, like, and then he had Jose Ramirez, you know, by the end there or whatever. Like, he, he, he really was, uh, he was doing, he was doing really, really well. Um, so, given that, you know, I the pitching in the playoffs, the pitching is a little bit more high variance because all it takes is just one yeah. one start, and and especially in the championship round, which I'm sure we'll talk about. You know, the the starters, the high end guys. Uh, let's cut the innings. Let's get this out of here. We've clinched our spot. Whatever. Um, so your offense becomes it, still also pretty high variance, but in a different way, more consistent. So I, I would agree with you that, that Johnny was was the favorite. I think you you weren't far behind, but I really would have I would have even put the chances lesser on um, Krabby and BJ, just because it's it's the consecutive like ten percent fifteen percent chance of winning that would have had to have happened for them to get there. But um, ultimately, it, you, you and Johnny were the class, and and I would have been really really stunned if one of you didn't win. Yeah, I. I basically gave Rob no chance of beating Johnny. I mean, Johnny was was matched up pretty much perfectly with Rob. I mean, he had like his best pitchers more or less with two starts. I think he had like twenty eight more innings pitched over the course right. of that week. Just really hard to overcome that, especially when you know Johnny held three of the four top hitters in Judge Freeman and Goldschmidt, or uh, Judge Ramirez and Goldschmidt. And then, I mean, he obviously had other players who were really, really good as well. So, like, I felt Rob was very fortunate to make the playoffs. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it wasn't – and even though it was close, like, I think approaching that weekend, really at no point did I, did I ever think that, that Rob was going to beat Johnny. Like, it would have had to have been, like, a, a very, like, weird Sunday or Saturday for, for Johnny to lose. Um, playing VJ was weird, as I expected. Um <laughs> Like, VJ, God, he had he has such a good offense, and, like, he kind of, um, you know, padded his rotation with kind of uh, more crafty pitchers. Like, they didn't have much strikeout upside, but they, they tended to get quality starts. And the yeah. way that he, like, kind of streamed, I wasn't, I didn't anticipate, like, he picked up Javi Baez in, like, the middle of the week. And it actually kind of worked out for him, but I was like, like, the moment he did that, I was like, gosh, there's there's no way I'm going to lose this week. And then he made a big push um, over the weekend where he added, he actually added Oswaldo Garcia Cabrera, whoever the second baseman is for the Yankees, who I wanted to add 
prior to my matchup with Johnny. Uh, but he made it so close that I ended up having to pick up Dre Jameson um, for Sunday. Um, it, it made, you know, he, he really kind of closed the gap on me to a point where I was uncomfortable with um, kind of completely turning my attention to the championship week. Um, but he was a, gosh, I've had so much like bad history, like playing VJ in this league. And I, I definitely had that in the back of my head. Like, I think if you looked at like my all time standings, I think like, or win loss record, I bet you VJ is much closer to the top than probably most people would think for someone who hasn't been to the playoffs in over a decade. I mean, we're talking about Obama administration. Um, you know, so he was, he was fortunate that, you know, he had a good team. He made it back. I, I thought there was, um, I thought there was more opportunity for VJ. I think I, I've mentioned that on a couple podcasts that, you know, if he had went in on, you know, a Garrett Cole um, and maybe exchanged some of this hitting for, um, pitching I, I think he could have made a, a real legitimate run at Johnny Rye and in fact I think if you look at the matchups for the finals week I think there's a decent chance VJ would have outscored Johnny Ori in the finals um, he was only yeah. about 35 points below us and he didn't make any ads because I locked him so like I think there's a really strong chance if he had made the finals he would have won the finals um, unfortunately it just seemed like it like the the my matchup with him wasn't it I just feel like he should have streamed differently, even though he didn't do a bad job towards the end, you know, adding guys in. Um Yeah, BJ made he made a lot of good he made some good moves where um you know, he 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 picked up Yelich, fine, okay. Uh, um he Alec Minot was a great move. You know, I I was kind of bummed out. I missed out on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, hey, listen, you, Sal Perez and Emmanuel Class, it worked out, you know. Uh, Pablo Lopez, great right there for the deadline. You know, it's he, he did make ultimately, like, some really good trades. The interesting thing about BJ is, like, during the year, you can tell where he's, like, he forgot about fantasy baseball for yeah. like a week. Mm-hmm. And you just hope it was your matchup with him. Pretty much. Um, or his... You know, because he, he made, like, 30 moves the whole year. Yeah. Like, it's incredible how little he changes things. And, you know, and maybe there's a lesson to be learned there. Maybe that's a strategy for the rest of us thinking about. I don't think so. But um, <laughs> no. it is <laughs> it is wild to see because I, I think I have beaten VJ more often than not. And I think it's a little just because VJ has been, like, out at the lake that weekend. And so I right. got, like all of my ads in or whatever, got the best choices. And he's just like, ah, shit. Oh, well, all right, yeah. next week, who do I got? <laughs> uh, and then he drives that week. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And that was actually pretty much exactly how I felt during our matchup because like it, like I was expecting him to make a move and then like he didn't make a move until I think like Sunday morning. And yeah. I was like, well, you need the, <laughs> in my head, I'm like, you needed these points sooner. But um yeah we had, i was really annoyed though about the the second baseman thing i really wanted kettle Marte out of there um we'll get to uh to more of that in a moment I, I think the final thing i'll say about vj is he's in a pretty good spot moving forward he is some really good spot yeah he's got some cheap keepers um you know with julio rodriguez um he still has kyle tucker for cheap shane bieber's still pretty cheap um he can probably keep Trey Turner or, you know, liquidate. He's got a lot of options. I think Vandy and Andrew and Will 
will be knocking on his door this offseason to get some of those players off of him if he's interested in doing that. Um, so he's in a really good spot for the for the long run, really enviable. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I have anything else really to say about that. Oh, I going back just real briefly and kind of as a segue into to me and Johnny. Um, I think I was most relieved to see that Rob basically made Johnny move or use all of his moves going into this final. Yeah. I thought it was a really it was a big deal to me because like especially when you have four pitchers going that Sunday or Saturday, I can't remember which one it was for Johnny, but the fact that he had to make more moves to confirm the win and not put those towards the next week, I, I thought was mm-hmm. a pretty big impact in our matchup. Um, so I, I did just kind of want to mention that real quick. It's true, because, I mean, that, that I definitely experienced during the regular season where, like, if your matchups line up nicely and you got, you know, an easy one before a hard one and you can make two ads in that week before and then plan to make your five ads in the next week, almost giving you seven, eight ads for a yep. matchup, um, that that would have been huge. And in the playoffs for that championship round, that's everything. If you can get your ducks lined up as best you can. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was big. Um, so we finish the semifinals and... It was funny. Uh, Johnny texted me, I think, on that that Monday. It was like the first day of the matchup, so like nothing really interesting was going on. It was that that morning, but he had, yeah, he wanted to express uh, some of his frustration with the fact that I had wavered Fab Dollars still, and that like theoretically, if I wanted to take this approach, I could do it. It probably would have been more likely had the finals week been seven days rather than ten. But basically, you know, I can just drop whoever I want because I can pick them back up with a $1 fab bid, um, which I did use for Fromber Valdez, who I had dropped in my matchup with, with VJ. Um, and also made the case that, you know, if you have additional ads left over from the regular season, that you should get to keep those for the playoffs, which we will definitely not do that. Like, you get 10 additional ads added from the regular season to the postseason so you're already getting additional ads you need to use all of your ads during the regular season but i do think his point about waiver dollars is interesting one because like like i did carry them over and that definitely is an added advantage so i do feel like it would be kind of an interesting discussion for the league if um everyone's uh fab dollars were reset to a hundred dollars to start the playoffs yeah yeah like, I, I do feel like that, and it also incentivizes people to use their fab dollars during the regular season, so it would it would create more symmetry with, with the actual ads. Um, yeah, I think, I think it was a, I think he's ultimately right. I think it has relatively minimal impact, potentially, uh, on the matchup, but I, I, there are scenarios where it could work, and, and I agree. I think it's, it's, it aligns nicely with the ads themselves also being just sort of reset, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we, we reset, we, we made some changes to do this, you know, where we lock the roster so nobody else can make ads for some dumbass reason. Um, you know, we've, we've added in even just the week before you can drop anybody you want. So they can still be your long-term keeper, even if they've got like a pulled hamstring or something, um, you know, so I, I think it aligns well with that to, to 
reset it all at whatever. It, could, it does the amount doesn't matter, but I I do think it probably should be equal. I don't think it's the biggest game changer in the world, you know, whatever. But um, I I would probably vote along with that. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a, a fair fair call out. Um, so so yeah, um, we get in. Um, kind of give. Oh, I'm gonna jump over this next item. So. Uh, kind of an unusual final because of the 10-day versus the 7-day, and that was, again, because of the way that Yahoo configured the schedule after the labor stoppage at the very beginning of the season, if any of you remember that. Um, we did have that. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's which right. funny. And basically, like, our postseason just defaulted to having a 10-day final, and I couldn't figure out a way to knock it down to 7, but... The other thing was I had always kind of wondered because there's almost always like like three or four games that our season misses, like where the finals week misses. Um, I was always kind of you know curious would that balance some things out because you know it, it does kind of suck like if someone's like perfectly matched up to have like a bunch of ads on Monday or Tuesday and get those double starts and then you know maybe your guys were all going on like a a Thursday and they happen to have like a day off so you like they start the following monday or something like that basically where they're just you know your opponent's getting more innings for the week than you are um in in a seven day you know seven day window um and uh i have to say i did not enjoy the the 10-day format at all (laughs) i can uh i think i can confirm uh from john that that he also did not enjoy it um so it's definitely something that we'll avoid changing moving forward um you know this matchup was fraught at the end with um shutdowns of of pitchers um abbreviated starts which i I think mine were perhaps less pronounced than johnny's um particularly on the final day um and then you know with the hitters like you just had a lot of people out of the lineup um and and had to you know adjust for that and fortunately I felt like it broke pretty evenly day by day. If you look at hitters being out of the lineup for each of us, I feel like, you know, from like Friday on, it was like at least two or three and we both basically had the same. It wasn't perfect, but it was, it was pretty close. Um, and then um, I'll get into to kind of the, the shutdowns and the abbreviated piece in a minute. Cause I want to break this thing down like almost day by day. Um, but you know, it was it was obviously a, a really tight matchup. What were what were your thoughts? What was the maybe the the underground chatter within the league for for this matchup? Because you know, obviously Johnny and I have uh, I, I feel like I have caught the ire of Johnny um, probably over the past two or three seasons. Um, and you know, it, you know, it's two of the the the, the leaders. In, on the in the profit chart um, yes. as well. As the rest of the league is well aware. Yes. And I was just kind of curious, like, who do you think most people are cheering for? Because I I can make cases in a lot of directions. I would say most of the league was rooting for Johnny, but I don't know that it's a wide gap, and I think most of us would have rooted for, like, another baseball work stoppage and just, oh, well, oh, no. Uh, oh, no. What? No, that's crazy. Um, because it's really not uh, doable. I, I think the rest of the league is 
Uh, very much not looking forward to hearing you talk about your your own dynasty and three-peat for five months of the offseason or whatever. Um, Johnny, you know, not great either. Uh, also likes to talk his trash. Also has enjoyed a lot of success already in the league. So, you know, there's... There, there is no like, ah, oh, who's the underdog? That, that'll be fun. Oh, look at your fucking crown. How is that? How is that? How did that thing get through customs when you moved up north? I mean, uh, well, I guess they just support the the, 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 the the monarchy a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know. If there was a a big preference uh, to some degree. I would say maybe Johnny. That was a little bit of my preference, but um, you know, I I think it was more interesting, and I'm. I was kind of more glad to just see that it was competitive. Like, it, it, we've had a lot of championships where it's just like, ah, oh, shit, oh, look, nope, and it's just going to be like a, a 40, 50-point blowout. Um, yeah. So it was, it was exciting to get to that last day, too. Yeah, yeah, I was, um, you know, I was, I was, the, the, as the week went on, the more and more um, stressed out I got, I would say starting starting probably Monday, I pretty much sat here and watched it just flipped on MLB TV and flipped between all of the games to either hate watch Johnny's pitchers and hitters or to cheer on my hitters and pitchers. Yeah. And uh, it was it was pretty exhausting going through and, and you know I, I think you know one of the other things was that it, you know it was so close but like I felt like every day that I woke up feeling good, I went to bed feeling bad about my situation uh, for the rest of the the this series, and then any time, and then basically the opposite, you know, the next day. So like, if I felt bad in the morning, I felt great that evening, and, and most of that had to do with the fact that John's scoring was so volatile. Like, if yeah, you look yeah. at like, like I have two graphs up and basically John's graph is just massive peak and huge valleys the entire time. And then I have one peak at the very beginning of the matchup. And then I basically score 45 points a night for the rest of the series. Like it was just a very flat 45. Um, and so when John would have, you know, he had 100 yeah, 104.75 points. Um, I think that's on Friday. Like it was just hold my breath and then you know there were different times when you know johnny would hit one of these valleys like this saturday start was huge because he had scherzer and kyle wright going against each other and they both had horrific outings um yeah which was was huge for me um because i definitely went into that day expecting to be down by 20 points and i was up by like 14 um, going into the next day, um, but but definitely a, a, a stressful day or a, a stressful week, um, and it started off really well for me actually. Um, I picked up Bryce Elder, um, who looks like Yukon Cornelius um, for the Braves, and uh, he ended up pitching a complete game shutout on Monday, in which like no there were like there's like no one playing on that Monday. Like he was just the incredible. only pitcher between the two of us. But Johnny had picked up in the morning um, Marcus Stroman. And if I'm not mistaken, Marcus Stroman ended up scoring the most points of any pitcher in this matchup. So it wasn't any of our stars. 
And he's our keepers. It was literally someone John picked up that morning at like 3 a.m. Um, granted, it was a double start, but basically he, he beat up on the Reds um, over right. two starts. Um, and overall, like, like John like pretty much crushed it from a, from a streaming standpoint. Um, he had um, 105.25 points of his total, total number came from ads. Um, a lot of which came from Stroman. The other came from picking up Taylor Ward, um, who he brought in as a replacement for uh, Turner, uh, third baseman for, for the Dodgers, um, Justin Turner, um, and scored 32 points. Like, I think from, like, Wednesday on, like, just absolutely crushed it. Um, and then, you know, the only kind of bad ad, if you will, from a perform- from a result standpoint was him picking up Simeon Woods-Richardson, who scored, like, two points against Detroit. Um, but he did he did a fantastic job, I thought, from, from an ad's perspective. Um, was there anything that that you noticed or like kind of like noticed following or were you just kind of like passively? Uh, <clears throat> no, not really anything. So it was kind of interesting to watch the moves. They all seemed like the right moves to make. Um, I think the, the thing that I think is funny is that uh, the last move was you picking up Mitch Hanniger on Monday and his fucking home run the last day is the difference. Like in, in and of itself, I mean, there's a lot of things that are quote unquote the difference, right? They, these points all add up. Yeah. He hit a fucking like a two run homer on the last day of the year, and you won by five and a half points. And it's just like, yeah, damn, it really came down to like adding an outfielder, and that was it. Yeah. So I was, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I, I really struggled with that final ad because like Johnny had made a really good move with Michael Lorenzen um, going against the A's and got like. 16 and a half points and that Monday I didn't really know which direction to go in because we had three days left I didn't like any of the other pitchers going for the final three days of the season like I just I didn't like it and at that point in time like I had my own kind of internal projections like daily projections and how like that was going to shape out and I had myself projected to win by about 20 points, which might surprise people if they were looking at the Yahoo projection, which I, I really want to discuss yeah. here in a moment. <laughs> um, but basically, I had myself up by by 20 points, presuming this was a big part on, on my – it was important on my part. I had Jacob deGrom not pitching. I also had Corbin Burns not pitching on the last day of the season. I did not anticipate either of them making it. Um, and I knew that Kershaw was going to have an abbreviated start. I didn't really know what that meant until the next night in which Julio Arias pitched 80 pitches. And that's when I knew that Kershaw was probably going to go no more than five. Um, but I was in a situation where I wanted to kind of exchange kind of a, a wide distribution of outcomes that you generally get with a streamer. Like typically a streaming pitcher will get about seven points. Like, but that could be, you know, that could be like on Johnny's end where he got like an 80th percentile outcome with, you know, 16 and a half, or it could blow up in your face and you get minus two. There's just a lot in between. So my thought, like I went through the pitchers, I went through relief pitchers. Like, do I want to, 
you know, grab yeah. someone, you know, from the Dodgers or a reliever just to get a few points. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, you know, I finally kind of arrived at, at Hanager and like the biggest piece was the fact that they were playing a double header on Tuesday. And I wanted a player that wasn't heavily correlated with um, some of the other games because Johnny and our, my, our rosters were so similar in terms of who was on our team. So like, like, and when I say correlated, so like if they do well, someone else on their team will do well. So like Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado and Soto, um, to a lesser extent, Stanton and Judge, Semyon, Garcia. So like, I wanted to get away from that where they wouldn't, the player that wouldn't be impacted because there was another doubleheader as the Yankees and the, and the Rangers. Um, so I decided to go with Hanner because he was the, basically the highest projected player that I could get for the rest of the season. And it was like a 14-point projection, which they were going against Detroit, which is a really bad team. Um, so I didn't know if I, I quite believed that he was going to get 14, but if he got eight, if he could at least get seven and a half and I take away some of the risk, um, yeah. you know, I, that was the, that was the reason for that pick. And, you know, he hit a home run. Actually, the first day he got two strikeouts and had negative half a point. So it was looking really bad after the first day. And then the uh-huh. second day he had, um, he had a home run. And then the final day he had a, he had a really good game, um, that, that last slate. He had a, a home, a two run home run in his first at bat. And then he had like, a hit and scored a run and you know had a walk so like he he filled up he filled it up and ended up scoring like 17 points um for the entire ad um yeah. but um but yeah that was kind of the, the thought process that went in there and I, I i really labored over that one um quite a bit um but yeah no it was i was very relieved um obviously when he hit that home run because i I had absolutely no idea what the Brewers were going to do with Corbin Burns starting. Like, they had already yeah. been out of the playoffs. And, in fact, like, the biggest day in our game wasn't actually Wednesday. It was Sunday. Oh, no. it, it was Sunday because the Brewers lost to Miami. They lost three out of four, which put their season on the brink. And, I like, unfortunately, I was able to get Woodruff because they would still be in it. So, like, they would let him go. And then the other one was the Sunday night game between the Mets and the Braves, in which I took Charlie Morton, but I was basically just cheering for the Braves because I didn't want DeGrom. I didn't want them to be in it, you know, to compete for the division. Like, I wanted them to just say, screw it, and, you know, play for the wild card. And fortunately for me, both of those things happened. So the real-world implication was, was there. I just didn't expect them to pitch Corbin Burns. I was like, he's already won a Cy Young. It was announced that Carlos Rodon would also be shut down, so he had already won the strikeout, you know, most strikeouts in the oh, NL. Yeah. And then someone pointed out the fact that he was at 199 innings, and they wanted to get him over 200. And so going into that game, that day, like more than anything, I was like, Corbin Burns is going to make or break this matchup. It, I just didn't know how many innings he was going to toss. Um, and fortunately for me, he only pitched three. They were really, really good innings, but could he have gone longer? Yeah, fuck yeah, he could have. Um, fuck yeah. Uh-huh. He, was, he, he was definitely dealing. And I had guys, you know, I, I feel like everyone that was on that site, with the exception of Adrian Sampson, um, had good outings, but they were abbreviated. Like, we knew Kershaw's was going to be abbreviated. I had no idea what the Angels or Houston were going to do with Framber and Shohei, but they both only pitched five. And I had been dealing with abbreviated innings 
pretty much the entire second week, like Urias was abbreviated. The moment that the Mets found out that they couldn't win the division, they pulled Taiwan Walker after going four and a third and striking out 10 um, with no earned runs. So I was like, well, there goes that. Like, there were so many situations like that on both sides. Like, I mean, um, I don't know if it was due to injury or they just wanted to shut him down, but Logan Webb was shut down. Um, I had Sandy Alcantara, who was lined up to start the final day of the season. He was shut down, but I had found that information out much earlier than Johnny. Um, and so, like, I don't know if it was a surprise to him, you know, that, that they were shut down, like, when they were, but I wasn't surprised at all. Like, I had basically been plotting like for them not to be there. So like my internal projections were very differently. But going back to what I said about the Yahoo projection, what was interesting was he had Jacob deGrom, you know, in his active, in an active roster spot. In Yahoo, like, you know how you get the, the green check or whatever, yeah. you know, to uh-huh. indicate a probable. They removed that check, but they didn't remove his projection. And so, and they gave him an amazing projection of like 16.3 points. So like Johnny's like projection in Yahoo was so overstated by, by in particularly that projection, the entire like last three or four days of the season. Whereas like, it looked like he was eventually going to blow me out. But like, I knew that wasn't actually the case because it was, it was so unlikely that Grom was going to go. The other thing I didn't get, and I actually think that for the most part, the daily Yahoo projections are pretty solid, but they're very fragile, as we know. They had Will Smith on an at-bat basis better than Aaron Judge, which didn't make any fucking sense to me at all. Like, it was basically like, like Will Smith was going to average like 1.25 points or 1.4, like, a very high number of points and judge was going to score less than that. I was like, there's no fucking way. And I think the world of Will Smith as an offensive catcher, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no fucking way he's going to outscore Aaron judge. So like I was, I don't know. I was just shaking my head like the entire time. Like anytime I would look at, at Johnny's projection. Um, the projections. I mean, they're, they're fine. They are very much a like, all right, is the wind blowing north or south? You know, let's you you can get a little bit of a feel there, but it, it it's uh it's a bit a bit much sometimes. Yeah, I, I think they're really good to use, like to be um kind of directionally accurate, but like yeah, it's it, it, and there's so many like little things like I I I will toy with my Yahoo projection, um in week, especially if oh, I. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if anyone's noticed that, but, like, I will absolutely fuck with you if, if I, like, the (laughs) moment you put in, like, especially if it's, like, Rob, if he puts in all of his probables throughout the week, I will start removing mine. I'll, I'll get my fucking projection down to, like, 230 points for the week. (laughs) Just, just to... I've noticed that, and I've definitely, I'm, I, uh, have, have reconciled that I'm not gonna try to read the projections, so I will hit the start all week just so especially like fucking Tuesday morning if I'm just getting up and going to work and I like miss something Mm -hmm. I try not to miss it and then yeah and then I always have to talk myself down like don't look at this projection that you're gonna win by 55 points like DJ still has to take everybody from his bench and put them in and uh and to go from it but it's it's a funny little gamesmanship to kind of uh play with yourself a little bit to be like hmm I don't know let's see yeah 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was... God, I spent so much time looking and trying to figure out. And like I, I had like Yahoo projections. I have another daily uh, system that I use. And I was trying to kind of mesh them together between the, the hitting and the pitching. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was absolutely exhausting. Um, and then kind of the, the fun, so I'll kind of cut to it cause I think we've hit on at least most of the points in during the week. So final day of the season, um, baseball did a really cool thing, having everyone scheduled to play at the exact same time with the exception of the doubleheader with Baltimore and Boston it would have been rained up the day before. I had yeah. no idea if George Springer was going to play the final day. He was uh, X'd out for the first part of the, the doubleheader. I was like, well, maybe he'll play. And then, you know, all of the, the lineups started coming in. I was like, there's absolutely no way uh, Stanton's going to, like, DH or uh, or pinch hit at any point. So it was easy to, to sit him and start everyone else. I think Jose Abreu was the other one um, that sat, which was a bit of a surprise to me because um, I really didn't want to play Reese Hoskins. I was very angry with Reese Hoskins the entire week. Um, but, um, you know, plug that in. And I had a really busy day at work. And it was like the one day of the week that I go into the office. And I just remember it being about 3.30, game start four. I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. So I went directly to the bar and uh, sat by myself for about two, two and a half hours, drank, Watched the game on my, all of the games on my phone, just toggling back and forth and <laughs> kind of like looked up occasionally. And then right at about 6.30, I had a softball game at 8 o'clock that night. So I had to get home, change, and then I sat here in my office for the final 30 minutes of the games. And, you know, eventually, you know, some of the starters started coming out and then... The, the last game to hit, I think, was the Dodgers-Rockies game. And uh, the Dodgers closed it out, and Johnny had no more no more guys going. I was like, holy fuck, I won. Because, um, yeah. like, any really any home run go, changes the outcome. Yeah, done. Yeah, because that's how close it was. I, I don't envy either of you for having to deal with literally your championship going through the last day of the year. Yeah. Because there's so much right there that, like, could change, will change. It has nothing to do with the like players you drafted, even the fucking ads you made even earlier in the week. It's just like, please God, don't let one game just get rained out and they're just like, ah, oh, fuck it, 161 for these guys. You know, like you are on pins and needles that day for the most random variance things. Yeah. Um, so that, I, I totally would have been the same way. I, I would have skipped that softball game. I would have been like, I'm not, I'm. No, this this is way more important, guys. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was nuts. Uh, fortunately, I had a DD. My uh, so I got recruited onto the team by a guy who lives down the on the other end of the floor, and uh, yeah. yeah, so he took me because I was I definitely had a lot to drink <laughs> um, at that point in time. But uh, yeah, no, it was um, it was a stunning way to end. Um, I felt. Kind of getting to to, to Johnny, um, you know, I I, I definitely felt uh, I feel like we felt a lot of the same emotions throughout the week. Um, it was such a, a t- you know competitive matchup, um, and obviously he had invested you know pretty you know he put everything in. I mean he went all in. Yeah. Um, 
And so, like, I, I definitely, uh, I wouldn't say I, I didn't, I don't want to say I felt bad, particularly because of the, the, the randomness that, that you just talked about. But, like, at the same time, I was kind of like, you know, we, we got to this point for the opportunity to be disappointed. I kept trying to brace myself with that, like, thought process yeah. if I lost um, because it was such a, you know, it was a little different um you know this final compared to others but like uh it was yeah i i i I, and i know like it's johnny did text me like literally right before i was going out onto the softball field it was like the last thing that i saw was anger (laughs) um i was like i'm gonna read this after the softball game but um yeah i i feel like uh understandably he was very frustrated um with with the way that things turned out but i think in time he'll I think he'll be happy. Not I shouldn't say happy, but he'll be be good with it. I think it's always weird when you come in second place because um, you're you're right there. Um, Fuck it sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a weird way to end a season, um, especially compared to like say someone like Rob, who I think his expectation by the end of the season was, hey, I'm I'm probably going to finish in fourth, and that was exactly right. what happened. Whereas I think Johnny had good reason to believe that he would he would win the title. Um, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. Um, and, and that yeah. was the case this year. So, um, any, any other kind of thoughts kind of probably more towards Johnny or, or even just the end of the series? Uh, no, it's, it's tough. It was, it's a grind. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It, yeah. it fucking takes a lot, but, uh, uh, it, it is, it is a grind. It's so different because it's like, you know, I I will watch baseball games, of course, um, but I know so much more about the league and players by not even watching them play, which is yeah. so. And that's just the very nature of baseball. It's 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 very compact. It's structured very well. It's very data driven. Um, so you could spend. I I spent the whole season just looking at Reese Hoskins at bats. Who you know, I got very cheap, and I was like fuck, I really don't want to drop him. He's $2. Like, yeah. even if he's not having the year that he, he had a pretty good year. Um, but even next year, $5, like I want to fucking keep him for $5. Um, but like, I didn't watch any fucking Phillies games. I don't watch, I watched like probably 10 Reese Hoskins at bats the entire year, but I was following him along every step of the way. And that's just like the very, uh, it's a unique thing about fantasy baseball where you're you're interacting with it in a different way um, mm-hmm. than like any other any other fantasy sport, uh, sports gambling or whatever else. It's 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 wild. Yeah, you're almost better off all, in a lot of cases not watching because I will tell <laughs> you, I, I can't tell you how many times I like rolled my eyes watching Kyle Schwarber, you know, go zero for four with three strikeouts and then. And then he'll do the same thing the next day, but then the day after that he hits two bombs and makes up for it completely. Like I, fe- I felt like that happened so many times. And, and Reese Hoskins looked atrocious at the plate um, all last week. <laughs> Absolutely infuriating. Um, let's kind of pivot towards uh, next season. Um, you know, I think. Let me pull this up. Uh, you know, I think Vandy and Andrew go into the season with uh, some significant advantages, go into the offseason with significant advantages. 
Andrew's got 498, Fandy's at 470, Will's got 440, and Jack's at 431. So um, four guys with a fuck ton of money um, heading yeah. into the offseason. Do um, you have any thoughts on like how you think they'll go about? You know, it's really interesting. I've never really – I never had like that kind of money, the like you know top two or three spender money in an offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an interesting place because you can kind – I wouldn't say have your pick of the litter, but – um, you really kind of can because we are we are becoming a much more partisan league in the way that we yeah, operate. Pretty polarized, uh, the dollars. Yeah, yeah, pretty po- polarized, uh, and that sort of burden of choice I think is really interesting, right? Like you're happy, you've got five hundred dollars. You can you can go to Johnny and basically pick whatever fucking player you want off of his roster, or you could not. You can wait and you can just take Jose Ramirez and you can take Gary Cole and you can take whatever. The, the world is your oyster and how you craft it, and that's an interesting thing. I like my place a little bit more overall, not from my like, competitive, but just from a structural where I'd rather be with my team. Mm-hmm. It's, all right, great. I have really cheap assets that I know I'm going to keep, and I'm going to kind of hope that they all break out. I know going into the draft that I'm going to have to find some cheap plays. I know in the first few weeks I'm going to – Hopefully, try to find an ad or two where I can pick up a good, good young player, or something like that. Um, and then I've got to hit in the the one thirty dollar player I can get in the in the draft. Who's it going to be? Um, it's, it's it's just an interesting way to approach the off season. Um, I I do think. I mean, we'll see about Bandy. I I like Habby's team. I think a little bit more. Yeah. Um, overall, but uh, you know. It's it's a it's an interesting play because I think a lot of us are are hip to the game about getting good young assets at great prices and you know I, like Javi Baez is probably not the best example that I'm going to use here but Javi Baez was looking great three years ago and he was nine dollars and he was cranking out 38 homers and stealing bases and a pretty good Cubs lineup and then well you know everything else has happened since and he's you know barely he wasn't even rostered for half the year so. Um, there are times where this looks really good, and then there are times pretty quickly where things change and and you can't do well. I do think it'll be really interesting. I, I would really I will be interested to see how Will rebounds in particular. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I think he learned a little bit of where we were at in the game and how other players play and and what's what. And he, he's obviously still like a very smart guy and and understands baseball broadly. So like he's not gonna go down without a fight. Um, but now he's got some money, and I think he'll approach this offseason, I think, very differently than where he was last year. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's funny because I, I, I had Will was the only one that I missed in my playoff projections. Like, he was he was the one. Like, he and Rob basically switched spots, but Will was also the last person to beat me. He beat me in week 21 of the season, yeah. scored like 370 on me, um, really out of nowhere. Um, and, I mean, he, he has some still some, some pretty decent assets, but, yeah, I think – I think he definitely um, learned um, quite a bit about the league, especially like hanging on to players. Like I felt like Javi Baez and Bellinger were on his team entirely too long. Um, but yeah, I think he'll he'll make some adjustments, and I think he's he's you know looking forward to, to next season. Um, and he's actually I, I think I mentioned this on the chat. He's actually the one that kind of brought attention to the fact that the WBC is in Phoenix. Um, at the beginning of March, I think it's like starts like March eighth. Um, oh yeah. And so, 
you know, I did want to kind of tee up the whole um, get together yeah. auction because we haven't done it for the past couple years for because of COVID, you know, basically because of COVID. Um, but I think that absolutely ends um, this March. Um, and, yeah. I, and I feel like maybe going back to the Arizona area um, would be a good way to, to get everyone there. It'll be warm. We'll be able to do the WBC, which has been growing in stature, and like I know, like all the players, I feel like are, are pretty pretty jazzed about it. It's a pretty cool tournament, um, and a way for us to get together and, and and kind of get back to a normal routine that was you know broken up by by COVID. Um, I had mentioned at Rob's bachelor party to Vandy, like he had brought up Denver, which I thought was an interesting idea. Um, but I I feel like the more I think about it, I think the more the the WBC in uh in phoenix would would make sense but, but what are your thoughts yeah i think i'm i'm excited for us to do it again um yeah i was i was pretty ready to, to do it in march but i get you know if things don't break the right way and a lot of guys um are you know doing doing the family thing unlike you and i uh but you know great for them yeah. <laughs> i think we're a little bit more ready and willing and able um I, I think Phoenix is great. I, I think we all had a great time in Scottsdale, and uh, yep, we got baseball to go to. We can always we can hit a golf course. Yeah. Um, you know, the scoot life is great there. So I, <laughs> I've got no problem. I, I enjoyed uh, I, the thought of going to Charleston. We initially brought it up, but I also was like, you know, that was four years ago, and I think we all just kind of were fine with a different spot. But um, uh, I would I will go wherever. Um, but I do think Scottsdale is a nice choice because I do think for most of us, basically all of us with the exception of Rob, uh, in March are going to be in like some pretty shitty weather. And the opportunity to, to get out to someplace a little bit warmer, a little bit nicer will, will really help make sure that uh, there's a little bit extra incentive to, to book that flight. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I definitely want to you know, kind of continue discussing it on, on the thread. Um, but unlike past years, I'm, I'm going to be a little more... Um, aggressive and uh in, in planning it and then like buying my ticket um so you know if we get if we get six we get six if we get everyone we get everyone um we still have a dinner bet we have multiple dinner bets that need to be paid Fuck. off God um, damn it. yep fucking march madness oh yes yep um so you know and and i i am kind of twinkling in quote-unquote bachelor party into this one um so i don't know if that has any pull but hopefully it does um if we were to get everyone i would probably ask like someone like christian to be the auctioneer um so you know it would be oh, and you know we could probably get i don't know i'd have to ask him or whatever um i went to amsterdam in ireland this summer and i ran into fucking chad melinda of all people in amsterdam oh that's how you I mean, ran into him because like i yeah. mean yeah I, it was funny because Amanda, like, I think Amanda saw that you posted it on Instagram and, and like Chad is like someone that I'm going to invite to a wedding. So like, <coughs> I, I don't know if he would come back twice, but you might. You, I think he definitely would. Like he, we, we hung out while I was there um, and he was definitely like, you know, kind of asking and just sort of whatever and like talking about things. I think he's enjoying his time there. Yeah. Uh, but I think he would absolutely be down to join in, knowing, knowing if he knew like a you know a bunch of the guys were together or whatever. So yeah, um, that's yeah, that's, I think you know adding in some of the other some of the guys just to like make it a good weekend. I think is a great thing, and the auction itself is just sort of 
tangential for those guys. Like, you know, they can fuck off and do whatever for three hours for all they care. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely my recommendation. But sometimes, like, especially because we talk about it so much, like, or in those groups, I feel like people are curious and then they realize how insanely boring it is if you're not involved in it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just can't imagine watching an auction going on on a computer. It's so boring. Um, no, if I, was, if I was in their place, I would be like, all right, so the rest of us are going to go to a bar, right? Yeah. And we're going to, like, we're going to play shuffleboard or whatever, and we'll see you guys in a few hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, just kind of getting back to... I'm looking at this board with all the values on here. I guess the other one is Jack. Jack had... I gave Jack Zach Gallon, and he played a lot better at the end of the season. I don't really regret getting rid of Fromber, but I think Jack... Um, and he got Bo Bichette's from me. I feel like he's in a pretty good he's spot. He's in an okay spot. <coughs> be, yeah. I mean, the the biggest thing is, is goddamn... I mean, the... You winning three titles is awful. If you win a fourth one, we really need to do some self-evaluation here in the league, the rest of us. Um, so I really hope that doesn't happen. Um, but, like, I look, you know, you've got the the audience can't see this, right? right? You know, we've got the spreadsheet pulled up with everybody and their, their dollars a month. But, like, guys are competitive. And, and, and there's a lot of opportunity here. You know, I don't know that Adam's going to win, but anybody else, you know, you can convince me of a scenario <laughs> where... Uh, they make the right moves. They just get a little bit lucky, whatever. Like I, I can see plenty of these guys because all these guys got, they've got assets. They've got yeah. money in various scenarios. I mean, it's it's almost certainly it's not going to be Johnny for reasons we've already kind of discussed. But, um, but you also like I wouldn't be fucking shocked if Johnny makes some great plays and then takes somebody that looks like a breakout star who's got a, a young price, but then flips that player for putting more accomplished, and then you know he gets into the playoffs and. Uh, manages way to the top. Like that is not out of the realm of possibility. So um, I think it's really interesting. Different teams have different things going for them, but I, I think everybody's pretty dialed in. Yeah, I mean, even if you just take this year as an example, I mean, you and Rob had like no money coming in to this right. year's auction, and you know, you finished fifth and he came in fourth. So like, I mean, it absolutely can be done. I mean, I had, I'm actually in a better spot right now than I was at this time last year. But I'm still gonna have to trade and get some some money to to get into that middle kind of middle class or at least lower middle class, um, which I think I can do. Like I've got a lot of pitching to, to choose from, and it'll just be interesting who approaches me for it and what they offer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think I think it'll be an exciting off season, um, depending on what people do. I just th- I think it it would be a massive mistake on most of those guys' parts if they all collectively decided not to make trades and just keep their money. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, that is, uh, you're really parking yourself into a corner. Um, because, and that's the biggest thing, is that, like, you know, Matt was able to take Jose Ramirez and kind of flip him for Walker Bueller, who I still don't think is that great of an asset at this point. I mean, he's fine, he's good. But he's going to miss all of next year. Right. Um, and, but, like, if you use that money to get an asset, somebody who can still be having a middling year, if he keeps at $9, then he's still a trade piece in the middle of the year. Yeah. Somebody who you have for 76 is is not as much of a trade piece. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think 
Uh, Happy and Vandy are, are wise to that. I think Jack is pretty well too, and, and, and we'll see what Will does. Um, but uh, it, it, what will be interesting is for you and Krabby uh, and Johnny, especially um, you know uh, BJ. Those guys are, are down low. So uh, who? How do they bid up against each other or not? Will be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we've been going for. About an hour and 30 minutes. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Do you have any, any final thoughts, anything that you want to you say to, uh, to the group? Uh, get your bets in for uh, IU uh, basketball picks. I'm telling you now, you can lock it up. They put out preseason props for the Big Ten or to make uh, the, the tournament, to make the Sweet 16. I'm I'm as sold as I've been sold in a decade and a half. I'm all over the message board, so all that's over my it. final advice. Yeah, put him in, lock it up. Oh, I forgot to ask you: Are you going to play a World Cup game? Uh, maybe. It's super easy. Like, yeah. Well, here's the thing: uh, you don't know this because you you quit our fantasy football league. Uh, I am dead awful in that league i'm i'm winless i will continue to go winless i picked the wrong players to keep that have not shaken out trey lance was my big keeper he's broken javante williams is hurt um so that is an absolute loss for me um i'm I'm still of course watching football and still you know gambling on the side or whatever but my fantasy football season was done almost immediately um, so I might need a little side action. I think the World Cup could be, you know, United States is in it. So I'll, I'll be watching. Cool. Yeah, I think um, just I, I think I'm gonna do try to do a preview pod with uh, with Medema um, prior to it. But like it's super easy. Like we did it a couple of years ago. I think VJ won, and like basically you just pick like I think we picked each like ten guys, and it's almost like Survivor style. So like it, it definitely is beneficial. If, you can get like a, a favorite players on a favorite, but you don't have to set lineups or anything. It's basically like a best ball yeah. style. So it's pretty casual, but at least you have something to cheer for during the games. Like, you know, especially if it's like, uh, I don't know, like, like Mexico versus like, uh, not going to say the Ukraine, but like say like Wales or something like where you don't know anyone. Right. Um, so yeah. So be on the lookout for that in about a month or so. Um, but until then, we'll, uh, we'll talk to everyone later. Thank you.